Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of New Hope Underground. I'm hosting it uh, this week, uh, Pastor Tyler Serkey. And with me is my illustrious guest. You've been on New Hope Underground before, but I don't think ever with me. I don't uh, think so. Let's uh, give maybe some thunderous applause, maybe, to not lackluster now. our friend Eric Splector. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, hey, welcome to the show again. I know Darren did an episode with you where you kind of got to tell a little bit of your story. Have you been on any other episodes? You know, we did two right in a row. I, I can't quite remember what the first one was about, but yeah, the okay. second one was not really, with me. Did you? No, it was just okay. with Darren. But, that would have uh, that would have been really embarrassing. Yeah, yeah I think we just initially <laughs> if, if I just completely forgot. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's a, it's Eric, right? You're you're Eric. No, no. <laughs> Actually, some might say it's Randy. As a matter of fact, really, my uh, my newly found Newton friends, yes, might know me as Randy. Have you been called I'm Randy? There, that's a, what. Which for the listeners, uh, just a, a note for the audio um, that Eric has actually just joined the New Hope team. They announced it. Was it two or three weeks ago? Yeah, sounds about right. Something like that. Um, so you've been in vocational ministry many years in other contexts. But you're actually ste- you had stepped out for a little bit, and now you're stepping back in on our team. So thoroughly excited because you and I have been friends for, I mean, almost as long as I've been here. Because I'm this January will be 16 years. Yeah, I've been in Effingham, and I I met you pretty early on. I was saying when you said you know he's been in ministry, I'm like, wow, that's two decades. So <laughs> yeah, and so because there's a, a group of us for years would get together and have coffee. A group of pastors and ministers and stuff would get together and have coffee and just talk. I mean, it was nice talking to someone not in your context yeah. who understood, yeah. <laughs> like understood some of the, the rigors and wounds of ministry. Mm-hmm. And so just we to refresh a little bit, you know, even for a little bit, you know, we, we go, week. we go way back. And so when the opportunity arose for you to potentially come onto the team, my sentiment was just give me a reason. Mm. <laughs> And so, and what you are, you know, and, and, know Jesus figures those things out. Yeah. He's, he's good like that. <laughs> and so, yeah, you're starting, uh, not to timestamp this episode, but w- <laughs> when you're listening to it, we're probably like, a yep, September two, 11th. Yeah. Two weeks out or that something Monday. like that. A little less than two weeks out from your start date. Um, but you'll be doing worship and discipleship, uh, at the Newton campus, which is really exciting. Um, I mean, anything Eric does is going to be good. That's my opinion of him. He may not say that, but I would. Um, so very thankful to be your friend, but then also uh, that you're willing to step on and be my guest on this episode. For and sure. so uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, we are, uh, I guess I probably should have said this from the get-go. This is the first uh, supplemental episode that we're doing for the new series we started this fall called Hope for the Scattered. We are looking through First uh, and Second Peter Uh, the letters that he wrote right before uh, he gave his life for the sake of the gospel. And so lots of good stuff in both letters. And we'll be unpacking them uh, throughout the fall. So starting at Labor Day weekend, beginning of September, and it'll go all the way through the end of October. I think it's a a nine-week series. Um, And so very excited. But we will be offering weekly supplemental podcasts like we have done with other book series we've done. 
where uh, whoever's speaking will invite a guest on and just take the discussion a little bit deeper. You can only, you can only cover so much uh, on a, in a particular 30-minute sermon. And so it's nice to be able to slow down a little bit and have some conversation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, happy you're on. Yeah, me. thank you. So. Privilege to be a part. All right. Uh, so I guess what we could do is just jump in, read the text. And just make some observations and see what God shows us. Would you be willing to read the text for us? So we are, this is the first week, so we're starting in chapter, First uh, Peter chapter 1, and it's through the first chapter, so it's basically the first 25 verses, if you okay. want to go ahead and read that. All right. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, and Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia? Who have been I love how you put a question at Mark at the end of <laughs> oh that. Oh my God, I don't know. That might be. Peter wasn't sure if he was writing to that group or not. Who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, I broke Who have been gate. chosen? Yeah, I broke your gate. My fault. <laughs> According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor. Jesus Christ is revealed. I love that. Comma, comma, comma. Mm. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, You believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are received the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish 
or defect. He is chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, who, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Mm. Amen. Yeah, so yeah, just toss out the question. Any uh any initial observations that you see when you first look at the text? Yeah, I mean start toward the beginning and kind of work our <clears throat> way through. Any, okay. Any things you notice? You know, just so many things, but uh you know, I don't mean to be nerdy Bible scholarly or anything, you know, of the, of the pretense. But, uh, you know, I, I think back to my Bible college days and where they would say, okay, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then we'd stop, hmm. <laughs> but it really does. It sticks out to me. Yeah. Cause he's like, you know, here's my name and, but here's who I am and here's how, you know, it's a popular word in this day and culture. Here's how I identify, but you know, his yeah. identity is seen as I am one who, yeah, is experiencing Jesus in Jesus, led by Jesus. Um, I think other places, you know, whether Paul or other, you know, here's all my traits, but yeah, they don't matter, you know. Here's, yeah. here's who I am. And so I'm writing to you because you are God's chosen people, you know. And so, yeah, like one thing I noticed but before, which I mean, I didn't talk about this in my message, but. It's funny, well, which what something I'm about to say, I had used this word in a message a few weeks back and had other staff tell me that several people asked them, they're like, that word that Tyler used, what did that mean? I'd never heard mm-hmm. it before because he uses a Trinitarian formula here when he's talking about, you know, these churches that have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Jesus. So he names the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in that. So there's a, Peter does that, Paul does it a lot, where he'll always, because I think he does that with spiritual gifts, where he was talking about that, you know, there everybody has different gifts, but it's the same. Same spirit. Like, it, they're given by the same God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all different service, but rendered to the same Lord. Mm-hmm. And then it's talking about the, I can't remember what the third one is, but it's like empowered by the same spirit. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like he's just saying the same thing over and over again, but he's actually offering this Trinitarian formula. But it was the word Trinitarian that several people ask. It's just not yeah, a word we use word? a lot. And they're like, wait, what was that word? What does that mean? Hmm. What is that? And which I realized like just being in Bible college and hearing those things, I'm like, I mean, we know it like means yeah. related to the Trinity, anything like of the Trinity or, or connected to the Trinity. Um, but that being related to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I, I always appreciate that whenever I see that, of like they sometimes offer offer those formulas there to show that, I mean, really they're kind of putting out that the fullness of God is involved in this, mm-hmm. that it's not just, God's not just sort of partially involved. 
that like the fullness of who he is is involved in these churches belonging to him. Like every aspect of who he is is involved in it. Which anyway, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's all still introduction. Like yeah, we're still and na- <laughs> now. I'll tell you what I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, and now for what? Yeah, now for the meat of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so any other observations you notice? Um, you know, and it it ends just pretty simply. But I mean, intentional. I think grace and peace. Mm. Uh, things that sometimes. We can wish somebody as we leave, but yeah, up front, he wants them to know, you know these are in abundance. Yeah. I love that. Important things to know and notice in life. And so I hope that you have them full and have a full life in them. And yeah. It's and beautiful. then, yeah, then when it gets into the section next, like it's uh, roughly three through nine, talking about the living hope. Like I love that verse three. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That that's, uh, which I always remember Tim Maxson saying this to me, that you never graduate from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like it's never like, oh, you hear that at first, but then you like graduate on to more mature, deeper things. Yeah. But he'd always say, you never graduate beyond the gospel. Yeah. Like the fullness of, which it was something I just read in a book not that long ago where they said that, uh, I'll see if I can say this the right way. Cause I remember, I still don't feel like I fully understand it where he said, the author said that there is, there is nothing to get from the spiritual life that it's in realizing that you have always had that, which you sought. Mm. It was home. Yeah. And I'm still figuring out what that means. <laughs> yeah. You know, I will go long into this, but there have just been so many things over the last week uh, that I, whether personally, but so much really from outside of me, has reminded me that thing that uh, home or, you know, the gospel, it just continues to come back to surrender. Mm. And. You know, I can strive, 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 go, 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 fight, 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 you know, but at the end of the day, when I, you know, I hear that in like the gospel's been there the whole time, if I just surrendered a noticing <laughs> instead of striving, yeah, oh, what do you know? You've been right here the whole time. Yeah. And there's a bit, there's a big theme in this, which is, I mean, even why we called the series Hope for the Scattered because he uses a lot of the Jewish exile language Mm. uh, referring to these Christians spread throughout the Greco-Roman world, which was a real thing. It was the, which I talk about this in the message, giving a little background, the diaspora or the diaspora or however you pronounce that Greek word, the dispersion. It was the the Jews who lived outside of the promised land, who didn't live in Judea, were referred to as the dispersion. Mm. And there was actually more of them than those who lived in the promised land. There was only about, one commentary I was looking at, there was about a million Jews in the promised land, but there was two to three million spread throughout the Greco-Roman world. But they were all considered part of the family. They were all part of the 12 tribes, but they were just referred to as exiles in a sense. They were dispersed in, you know, in places that they did not consider. It was not home to them. Israel was home. And so 
he's using some of that language, but he's almost using it in a spiritual sense. I mean, in some sense that you're a part of God's people, but also that recognition, and I, I don't mean to rehash some of the, what I talked about in the message, but just that idea of uh, this is not home. No matter where you are, it's not home. And so we are, in essence, kind of exiles in this life. As long, yeah. as, long, as long as we're in the current version, maybe that's the best way to say it, the current version of this life until the new age comes, we're not, we're not home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of, uh, it's a reminder for me of, of, you know, again, one of those things you hear said long ago, but um, primary citizenship is not here. It's I'm a citizen of the kingdom, you know, and just what that yeah. changes to do how I think, how I act, how I operate, because if my citizenship citizenship is sound, found <laughs> is English the, your first language? Little, <laughs> exactly. See, <laughs> yeah, that was a different language from my, where I come from. <laughs> um, yeah, what comes with cultural differences, or you know, we've been talking about home. Some homes are different. You know, this yeah. is what we do in our home. This is what we hold as tradition. This is how we, you know, uh, come through the day and and end the day. And mm. not all homes are the same. And I hope we're the same. And yeah, home seems to be the place where you can rest. Mm. Where, yeah, I mean, I can't think of a word better than that. Where it's like you're safe. Yeah, That's even an, in being yourself. Yeah, rest in that, being that you can yourself. truly. Well, this is one thing that I, I always, uh, and for those who are listening to have small kids, uh, you understand this, like art, like one of the dynamics that we would always deal with at the beginning of the school year, which school just started recently. And you remember this with your kids whenever they were little is, you know, we'd hear all this stuff about like how well they're behaved at school and things like that. And you almost kind of like cock your head a little bit like, <laughs> I got a story for you. <laughs> what? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well behaved? Because <laughs> it's just like sometimes, which I feel like the older they get, the better this gets. And this is just part of maturity and, and growing up and maturing is it's like they get home and like sometimes I get home and I can see the look on my wife's face and she's just like, they were horrible the second I picked them up and have not stopped mm-hmm. since. And of course, like trying to figure out like what in the, what in the world? Like we hear they're so good at school and then like, you know, they like are at each other's throats at home. And I remember watching this video where they, th- they use this term. I'd never heard it before. And it's like when they said it, it made so much sense. It was called restraint collapse that they spend the whole day because they don't know if it's safe mm-hmm. to be who they really are to show what they're really feeling or say what they're really thinking. So they spend so much energy all day trying to hold it together that when they get home and home is the place that you can be who you are, that you don't have to pretend um, that you can rest. It says, so literally the restraints that were like holding everything in collapse. And so the person in this video was actually saying, if you're experiencing restraint collapse, that's a good thing. You think, I mean, cause we're You're wondering saying, like, what are we, what are we doing? that Our kids are like flying off the wall every day when they come home from school, which it's only like the first few weeks and then things begin to get better. But it's like, why is that? Like, what is the deal with that? And they were saying like, no, that's actually a sign that 
home is good. Mm-hmm. Home is safe. safe. If they didn't feel safe, then they, they wouldn't feel like they could let their restraints collapse. And they, they, they can fall apart and know that they're still going to be loved. Because they know the boundaries at home. They know how mom and dad are going to love them no matter what. And so even though it's still hard, like even this year when the school year started, and we had some of that and are still having some of that, but I remind myself that of like, this is a good thing. This means that this is home to them. That yeah. they, and that it makes me think of, you know, we can, uh, we can experience the things that we do with our kids. And however, there are kids out there that are not getting to experience even home in their own home. And, you know, over the years, I can remember lots of kids that would come to youth group or other events. And it was like they finally then after a time or two, safety is here. Oh, yeah. Sure. Because they can at home even. Yeah. But what a beautiful thing the church can be, you know, and experiencing gospel and people that care and are interested in listening. And, yeah, that I'm okay to be kind of ugly right now. Yeah. (laughs) Which we I've joked about that before. I mean, I say joke about it, but I genuinely mean it, but I kind of kid about it of saying, like we want when we gather together, because we talk about gathering, you know, one of our core values is gathering intentionally, that we're rehearsing kingdom things. We're rehearsing what life in the kingdom of God is supposed to be like when we come together. And it's like, so there's almost this like jesting about, we hope you get a little taste of home, like home, home, like capital H, mm-hmm. home. When we gather together, like when we're together in Jesus' name, that's my prayer yeah. is that all of this taste home a little bit and then it makes us long for it even more and how we you know love each other and interact with each other yeah so all right let's keep moving what, uh, what, i was just gonna say I, I love what you've said there you know and where it does word use words like birth and inheritance and uh, those are home words yeah you know? those are because i am related i'm tied to something and what is that something and and I, I love that language around new birth and, I mean, that idea of being born again. I mean, it's as basic to the faith as anything of that born again, you know, John 3 uh, experience, experiencing the gospel in a way that I awaken to who God is and my need for him and and I'm changed. I'm, I, I say yes to that invitation to be changed and, like, the transformation that then begins to occur, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, because of that. Because he begins to later in the chapter gets into behavior type stuff. Therefore, do this, do that, live this way, live that way. And we can often read those in a religious silo and just think it's do more, try harder, yeah. white knuckle up spiritually. But that's all under the umbrella of the new birth, meaning like because you're now in God's family, because you now belong to him, because jesus himself is now your home you start you'll start looking like this it's more of a symptom than it is a command yeah yeah wonderful point there yeah so other other observations i'm getting a getting a little bit ahead of myself with some of those observations how far you want to go or not but it, it you know just soon after that i can't help but notice yeah you may be suffering for a little while this life is hard yeah. There are trials. There are things. Again, in the we're not totally context home of home. Yeah. But yeah. It's gonna be hard for a bit, but you know, this is coming. It's if you great can, worth. It's like when you're traveling somewhere and you're in the car. If you mm-hmm. can wait, if you can wait till we get home, <laughs> yeah. I know it's hard. I know you're hungry. Yeah. But if you can wait till we get home and oh it's so hard. I, I'm hungry. Mm. I wanna have to go to the bathroom. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, as you're saying that I'm reading eight and though you have not seen him Mm. at home, you know, like you've not seen God, you love him, you know, you know, you believe you're trusting, you're putting everything you bank on towards this, but it will be worth it. I love some of Peter's language in this of, I feel like this is one of the only letters that I feel like connects to our experience. I'm trying to think how to say this. Our experiencing, our experience being outside of the first generation of the church. Meaning like, I can't think of, I mean, I even think about like Paul talking about in first Corinthians 15, like, Oh, you don't believe in the resurrection. Well, there's like 500 people who saw him after he rose, go talk to them. Like we, you can't say that now because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody alive has seen him in the flesh. But it's like here he's naming the reality that has been generation two and onward up to us of saying, you haven't seen him, but you love him. Hmm. Though you've never laid eyes on him, you believe in him. And that's the experience of everyone following the, the first generation of the church. And like I kind of love it that he names that because I'm like, okay, they did understand like they did understand some of those dynamics that was good. Those were going to be the challenges of the next generation of the church is that the ne- no, no one in the next generation of the church knew, saw Jesus walked with him, saw a miracle, you know, like, like Peter did. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's so true. Even today, you know, as you, uh, I, I stretch maybe the application because a firsthand faith is just so different. I can be told, I can be in church circles, I can show up for services for years, but if I'm just told, and it's okay because, you know, we all have a place at which we're told, but then Mm. hopefully years later we experience, we know we have had experience Uh, of like, you know, this is what happened to me. We start saying those things. Yeah. It's different. Well, that even, man, I just literally just made this connection. That was really good. The, The new birth. Yeah, we may have not seen him like Peter did, but when you experience the new birth, that is a firsthand experience with Jesus. This is yours, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Note for the audio, I'm making the explosion sound, or the explosion. <laughs> out the right side. Out the right side of my head, because that just blew my mind. That's good. Well, it's just So he's like weaving those things together. Yeah. And, you know, we try to put ourselves in the the seed or frame point of the writer. And if you just think about all those experiences that Peter had, even the ones that just so miraculous, like I went out to walk to him on the water and then in a dumb moment, I'm like, I'm walking on the water (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and I'm being kind of silly. Yeah. But you know, just to like almost like, and that wasn't quite enough, even though that was as big as it was, there was still more to experience his death, his resurrection, all these mm. things I'm reflecting on now to go. Yeah. It's worth it guys. Trust me. We're going to yeah. get there. Yeah. It's so good. Mm. Which then I love like going on uh, 10 through 12 where he's talking about, and I mean, it just kind of put, which I mentioned this in my message. It just puts things in perspective of saying like realizing like the prophets we're searching with great care for generations, waiting for them, what you're experiencing now. 
which of course us being 2000 years removed from those events, I mean, being in the church age, it's all we've ever known. The gospel has just always been the gospel. But like for Peter to name like before that moment that Jesus showed up on the Sea of Galilee and called me to follow him, I was still among the people who were longing for it to be fulfilled. Many generations who never got to see it. Mm-hmm. And then now we're living in the fullness of the age. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and you're living in the fullness of the age too. You're the next generation of those living in the fullness. So much so that even angels are looking into it. Like they were eagerly watching us on the earth, wondering what the heck God was going to do in this great restoration project and being blown away when a baby was born and that baby was the Messiah. Like, (laughs) Mm. so it's just like a perspective thing of like, you don't realize that's like a parent saying, you don't know how good you got it. (laughs) So true though. (laughs) We're always coming back to parent metaphors. It's amazing. (laughs) I mean, that's why he's called father. I think. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Because we experienced that. Well, anything in the last section where he goes, begins to talk about holiness and how therefore we should be. (laughs) I mean, essentially, was there anything that stuck out to you in that? You know, the last section, and because it again experiences in life and things you're reminded of, but uh, because we're going down 24, 25. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, somebody said one time, you ought to pick a life verse. And some <laughs> hear that tone in my voice. <laughs> that just sounded like something rap. So you're like, and, Jesus wept. <laughs> yeah, I think I got that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes we can just be funny guys as Christians. Can we admit that? Can we just be okay with that? Like we're kind of awkward sometimes. Kind of weird. <laughs> a little strange. So, you know, it sounded a little too... Uh, I don't know what word, but, you know, it just sounded a little too much for me. A little hokey. I need a life verse. (laughs) We apologize to everybody who is listening that has a life verse. Well, and so here's where I'll transition because I'm going to (laughs) say. So what is your life verse? Is that what you're going to talk about? Yeah. Happens to be in this passage. Oh, nice. Awesome. (laughs) You know, so we all do come to Jesus at some point, right? Yeah, that's (laughs) right. I'm like, life verse is good. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) But um, it's just. It's important to me to know, you know, we said surrender a while ago. So if in the context of thinking about, you know, all people are like grass. Well, guess what? I'm one of the all people. Mm. (laughs) That's me. That counts me. I'm like grass and my glory, you know, it's here. It'll shine for a while. It'll look pretty, but you know, ultimately it's going to wither or fall. And uh, the only thing that, Sounds like it will matter is what God's word, the gospel does through me, the the real substance of existence, life, and all. Mm. And so another point of this, so I had to search it out. I began to look. I'm like, all right, well, it's got quotes around it. So apparently Peter liked it, you know, and yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So my, whether this is true or not, I haven't found this, but it, the wondering is, would he have quoted the first verse that was just really good to him like man this one's on my heart guys i want to oh yeah i don't know i don't know you know it's just my wondering and so a passage of scripture that we know well and shares things like on eagle's wings and you know all this stuff in isaiah 40 a lot of really really rich stuff in isaiah 40 i'm like it's a really good chapter what do you know here's this verse yeah this is the one that peter 
maybe saying, yeah, don't miss this one, guys. It's a good one. You know, this is yeah. this is one that really means a lot to me. And so the word of God endures forever. Mm, I love that. And I hope my life is reflected of that. And so building our life on that, the only thing that endures, we can build our lives on a lot of things, mm-hmm. accomplishments, riches, personal prestige and fame and My wife and I always say there's a phrase we use constantly when we see the uber wealthy or the uber famous just crash and burn in like the worst ways. And we don't glory in that or anything like that, but we just like, we'll look at each other and I don't even remember who originally said it, where we heard it, but we'd always use the phrase, the human soul was not built for fame. And then more recently, we added the addendum. The human soul was not built for fame or wealth. We are just not built for it. It can't stand up that when your foundation's built on anything other than, like you you can't conjure or create your own meaning and purpose for at least uh, in any kind of real meaningful way. You can for short periods of time but it's usually delusion and it doesn't last. It eventually falls apart. And in broad sweeping things, you know, it's just like, and our culture points to that. That's the thing to chase. Yeah. It's the thing that is most exalted in our culture. We then do that. Well, is it wrong to be wealthy? Is it, you know, and all these things Well, no, but, but it's asking then why? Yeah. Well, I mean, because Because even context of this verse, yeah. First Peter or first Timothy six. I mean, Paul or Timothy, Paul, <laughs> it's the end of the podcast, man. I've run, I've run out of words. Paul is saying to Timothy, they're both involved in the conversation, uh, of saying for the rich in this present world. So he was naming, there were Christians who were rich, but he's talking about be generous, be willing to share, and you're storing up for yourself wealth in, in the age to come. And again, it's about the foundation that if you just mentioned purpose if you understand the purpose is not for my sake, but for the sake of others, God will sometimes entrust you with influence or wealth or whatever. If you're willing to use it for this, if you can be trusted to use it for the sake of others, but it's a horrible, it's a, it's an amazing tool, but a horrible foundation. Mm -hmm. And so, man, that's just what I come to with that verse all people are like grass, all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It's worth investing in. It's worth living. It's so worth, good. You know, drawing others to. It's, yeah, worth. And then the last sentence, and this is the word that was preached to you. So he's like, just in case you were wondering if you've built your life on the right thing, this enduring word of God that will never, never wither or fade this is what the gospel is based on. So it's good. I'd say that's a good place to stop. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll have you on. It's such a long series. I may have you on later okay. uh, in, in a later part of the series, but Hey, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Hey guys, thanks for listening and uh, hope you stick around for the rest of the series. See you later. Oh, 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 oh,